0: Well, I want you to imagine with me for just a moment, here you are, uh, just enjoying the service here today, and the the back doors fling wide open, and in walks Jesus with his disciples, and he's he's passing through on his way to Atlanta, making a stop through Dallas, Georgia, and he makes an appearance at Westridge Church. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, just to have him here. Uh, Those of us who stayed up late for the fight, would have really wished they would have been here uh, today to see that happen. But, but Jesus is in the room and, and, and he goes from person to person, just walking the aisles, just looking at each one of you. And he, and he asks a very simple question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Um, what do you need from me today? Here's how I think those conversations would go. I think some of you would say, Lord, if I could have anything I would want I just would want for you to heal me from this depression or this anxiety I'm dealing with or or Lord would you heal my mother of this illness that that's robbing her of her joy and of her of her very life or Lord if 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 I could ask anything from you today would would you bring this bring the love back into my marriage because my wife And I are struggling and and would you fix our marriage today or Lord, would you please help my husband to believe and be saved and for him to be the spiritual leader in our family that that I'm just praying and longing for him to be or Lord, would you please deliver me from this sinful habit that's just destroying my life or Lord, would you, would you bring all of this division that's happening in our country and would you bring us together? Would you take what's broken and make it unbroken? See, I don't, I don't think we would at that moment, I don't think any of us would go, hey God, can you give me a new car? Can you, can you give me nicer clothes? Can you give me a bigger house? No, no, we, I think all of us in this room, if we were honest, we want something more important than that. We want something that, we want something deeper than that. Something that impacts. us. We, what we all want in this life, every one of us, is to experience wholeness to experience wholeness. What, what is wholeness? Wholeness is an undivided or unbroken completeness. An undivided or unbroken completeness. Wholeness occurs when the broken becomes unbroken, when the, when the divided becomes undivided. It's, it's, it's when the mess gets fixed in our lives. It's when, it's when the sick are made well. It's when, when what is unhealthy in our family is finally made healthy. Wholeness. John chapter 10, stay on Mark 10, but in John 10, Jesus is teaching about the difference between a shepherd, a good shepherd who loves his sheep and an enemy who comes in in a very um, sneaky way to try to harm the sheep. And in a very popular moment, verse here, he says in John ten ten, he says that the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. He says, but I've came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. See, we were created, at the very beginning of time, we were created to live in God's image and to experience a life that is full, a life that is, that is physically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy. God's initial plan for mankind was, was wholeness in every area of our lives. But as you know, sin, the sin of man tore that plan apart, and since then, Satan has just taken advantage of our sinfulness, and he has literally piled on. He's come at just an opportune moment, and he's just piled on to try to steal and kill and destroy our emotional well-being, to to basically wreck our marriages, to to rob the joy out of of our families, to to take our kids and and to get them off the rails. What, What was supposed to be undivided and unbroken is now divided and broken. But because Jesus conquered sin, and because he kicked death in the teeth by raising from the dead... Our relationship with God has been restored. What what was now broken, what was broken can now be made whole. Not just in this world, but in your life, in in society. And because that relationship has been restored and because it's made whole, us and God, the the abundant life that Jesus talks about here in John 10, that, that he came to offer us, is still available to every one of you today. The wholeness that God wants to bring to our emotional well-being, our physical well-being, our spiritual condition is still available that means that what we really want in life, which is wholeness, is still possible through Jesus Christ. However, we need to be aware of the, of the fact that there are some things that, that just keep us from that wholeness. That There are things that, that rob us from the wholeness that Jesus, that God really truly wants to have for us. And I want to mention a few of those. What are some of those things that, that, just, that just keep us from experiencing wholeness? Well, the first one is just sin. It's, it's sin that you may still be involved in, sin from the past that you can't seem to get over. It may be a, a sin that someone else has, has committed towards you. We were dealing with some of that in the first service. And it's just, it's just given you a, a, a bad image of God and of the church. I mean, it, but here's the, at the root of all of this brokenness, not just in our lives, in our marriages, and in our society, the root of all this pain is sin. It's the consequences of sin. And sin creates the second thing, which is wounds, emotional wounds that, 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 that have created suffering in our lives, physical pain that just, I mean, just, just just robs us of our joy, depletes us of our energy, spiritual wounds. I mean, you, you feel like maybe that God has let you down or that he's punishing you um, and putting some kind of suffering on you or Another issue is is bondage. You you feel, maybe this morning, you feel trapped in an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy relational issue. You're in bondage to an emotional issue like depression or anxiety or discouragement. Those are very real, powerful feelings. Maybe you have suicidal thoughts and you, you can't seem to escape those. Those are very powerful And it leads to another issue, which is just strongholds. A stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable, even though the situation is contrary to God's will. A stronghold can be a sin that you're trapped in. A stronghold can be an attitude that you just can't let go of, an unhealthy thought about someone or or something that has a hold on your life. What, What is it that's holding you back this morning from experiencing the wholeness that God wants for you. And if Jesus were here today, what would you need him to deliver you from? What would you ask him to do for you? What can I do for you? Well, in Mark chapter 10, there's a a story of an encounter that Jesus has with a blind man. Now, this is an interesting story, and you need to understand this because it's powerful. Because back during the time that this story took place, if you had any kind of physical disability anything at all, you were treated as a social outcast. There was a belief that you were cursed by God, that somehow God was throwing his anger down on you and and throwing his wrath maybe on your family as some kind of punishment for sin. And so as a result, people that had physical challenges were marginalized and treated poorly by society. And that led, as you can imagine, to emotional, um, emotional issues like loneliness and shame and guilt and depression and anger. I mean, some of those people actually took their lives. I mean, imagine this feeling that God is angry with you, so he's put something like that on you. You can imagine the spiritual issues that this caused. If, you were, if your family member had a physical disability, your idea of God was that he was nothing more than a God of wrath, a God that caused suffering on your life, a, a, God, a God that caused children to suffer, a God that inflicted pain on people that he supposedly loved. And all of this was a false view of God the Father. But imagine the brokenness and pain that someone like this dealt with on a day-to-day basis. Everywhere you turned, there was rejection. There was rejection from, from, from your family. You were a constant reminder of God's punishment on your family. From society's point of view, you were not worthy of a relationship with other people. You were, you, you were not worthy to have friends. I mean, why, why bother with someone who's cursed, right? From, from, from your point of view, why even live? In your mind, you're an abject of wrath. You aren't worth loving. There's, there's, there's no hope for you. So again, imagine the, the physical, emotional, spiritual bondage that someone like this experienced all the time. The, the deep feeling of hope, hopelessness and pain. And then one day, Jesus walks through your village. You live in Jericho. Jesus walks through your village. You've never seen him before, but you've heard people talk about him. You've heard that he heals lepers, people people who are paralyzed. You've you've heard that he's raised a friend from the dead. You you heard a story that he actually calmed a wicked storm by just speaking peace over it. You, You heard someone talking one day as you were hanging out by the gate of the city that he's actually caused blind people to be able to see again. Now let's take a look at the story between Jesus, Jesus, and this man by the name of Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. And he he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd of followers, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of uh, Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, Jericho was a wealthy town. It's very common to have beggars sitting by the roadside or by the gates begging people for money. And blind Bartimaeus was one of of those guys begging. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, again, hearing that Jesus of Nazareth was walking near him, Bartimaeus, the Bible tells us, Bartimaeus, he doesn't start yelling. He is crying out with everything he has for Jesus to have mercy on him. And notice that he calls Jesus the son of David. In other words, Bartimaeus is acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the son of God. He is the second person in the New Testament to do that. Peter was the first. But those who were following Jesus, they begin to rebuke Bartimaeus, Remember, he's a social outcast. In their minds, he, he, he should not be addressing Jesus. And so they're telling him to be quiet, be silent, and leave Jesus alone. Because who is this guy? He's unworthy to talk to Jesus. And Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And as sad as this sounds, the normal Jewish rabbi back in the day here didn't engage in the lives of people like Bartimaeus because he was an object of God's wrath. He was cursed by God. But old Bartimaeus, he he begins to yell even louder. As the crowds are rebuking him, he screams out louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And at this point in verse 49, the Bible says that Jesus stopped and said, call him, call him over here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart. Get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now listen, Jesus is on a mission here. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He had some important business to take care of. What kind of business? Well, he was going to sacrifice his life for the sins of mankind. But he stops for Bartimaeus and he tells his followers, he says, Call him to come over here. In other words, Jesus stops what he's doing as he's leaving town and he gives this man some time. I'm very convicted by this moment, by the way. Because I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm just blowing through a crowd, blowing through whatever, trying to get where, wherever I'm trying to go. And sometimes I forget that there's guys like Bartimaeus who just need a touch, just need to be reminded that they're loved, just needed someone to engage them. I want you to know every word in this story is important. Every word has great meaning. Bartimaeus takes this, Bartimaeus takes the only possession, which is, which is his cloak. It's, it's the only thing he owns probably. And he probably would hold it out so that he could you know, gather coins or whatever people would give him. And he, and he tosses it aside to come to Jesus. And I love the question Jesus asks this man, what do you want me to do for you? Now that appears to be a strange question from Jesus especially to be asking a blind man because Jesus knows he's blind. First of all, he can see it. But the second thing is he's Jesus. He knows what's going on in people's hearts and their lives, but he wanted Bartimaeus to communicate his need for him and to express his faith. He wasn't trying to get information. He wanted to hear his faith. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. What do, you, what do you want me to do for you, Rabbi? Let me recover my sight. In other words, Rabbi, I want to see. In other words, Rabbi, I want to be made whole. Bartimaeus communicates his belief and faith in Jesus, not just by calling him the son of David, but, but here he calls him Rabbi. In Aramaic, it means my Lord and my master. Now, the only other person to address Jesus this way was Mary Magdalene in John 20, Verse 16. It's a very after Jesus had raised from the dead, she she sees Jesus in this resurrected form, and and she calls him Rabboni, and it is a very personal expression. And Jesus responds to Bartimaeus, and he says. Go your way, your faith has made you well. And the Bible says immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. He became a fully devoted follower. In an instant, Bartimaeus is healed. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well physically. Your faith has made you well emotionally. Your faith has made you well spiritually. Bartimaeus was whole in every way. This is important because it it wasn't the amount of Bartimaeus' faith that healed him. He was healed because of who his faith rested in. His faith rested in Jesus Christ alone. Bartimaeus could start to start again because Jesus had made him whole. Now, there's so many things to draw out of the story, but there's six things I just wanna just give you, six things I think we need to embrace if we're gonna experience wholeness in our own lives. First of all, and this is so important, God will never deny someone who calls out to him for help. In, 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 In the Old Testament before King David, Israel's greatest king, before he would ever sit on the throne of Israel, he had to deal with this very jealous, wicked man who was basically out of his mind named Saul. Saul had been the king of Israel, but because of his sin, God had, had removed him, taken his hand off of his life, and in a fit of jealousy and rage, he, he and his army try to kill David. They chase him all over the place. So much of the book of Psalms is David dealing with sadness and depression from having to run from Saul, from having to deal with this issue. He talks about feelings of pain. He talks about feelings of of distress and loneliness and how death was staring him in the face. But he says this in Psalm chapter 18, verse six. He says, but in my distress, I cried out to you, Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. I love these words. My cry to him reached his ears. And God, God, David says, my God was faithful to me. In my distress, I cried out to him. He heard my cry and he rescued me. The Bible is full of promises of God's faithfulness to hear us when we cry out to him. His, his willingness to listen and engage the issues of our lives. Over and over again, we see these, these promises that God makes to us. And like David, there, there are moments, I'm sure, where, where you're not sure God's listening to you. You're dealing with something that's so heavy Maybe you feel like he's turned his back on you or he's left you, but, that, but that's when you have to take him at his word and believe by faith. Listen, you have to take his promises and you have to know that he hears you and that he's willing to help you when you When he asks, what, do you, what can I do for you? What do you want from me? If you're here today and you've never cried out to the Lord, I wanna encourage you to do that today. If you you, you never cried out to the Lord for, for Jesus Christ to be your savior, to forgive you of your sins. Listen, here's a promise that God will never go back on. Joel two thirty two. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved, rescued from their sin. This promise is repeated in Acts 20, 21. And then again in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. If you're spiritually lost today and you have no assurance in your life that, if you, that, uh, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus or you, and you have no idea what would happen to you if you were to die, I want to encourage you to cry out to Jesus today, this morning, to save you. He will not deny you. He never denies someone who calls out to him for help. Now, here's another truth that we need to embrace As much as God desires for you to experience wholeness in your life, the second thing is, he may not change your situation immediately. That's a tough one. If you call out to the Lord for salvation, I want you to know that's an immediate game changer. You go right from spiritual death to spiritual life in an instant. However, you may be calling out to the Lord this morning for physical healing or emotional healing. And while you know because the Bible says that he hears you, we know sometimes that he doesn't heal immediately. Sometimes it doesn't even come in this lifetime. Back in 2014, um, my wife and I were sitting in the, in the, in the stands, a baseball uh, field at North Paulding High School, and our youngest son, Zach, was playing baseball. And we watched him steal second base and go to third, and he slid into third. And when he got up, we noticed that he was just kind of really struggling, holding his lower back. And what appeared to be a sore back from sliding into third base, just a routine baseball move, turned into a three-year ordeal. Eighteen different doctor's visits, many x-rays, several MRIs, a lot of physical and emotional pain. It was a journey for, for Zach and, and his nurse, Amy, over here, who just took it upon herself to, to get this boy well, to figure out what was wrong with him. And during that time, he, he, he had to stop playing sports altogether, because he couldn't, just couldn't do what athletes do, normal motions. Had to give up baseball and wrestling. So much of his friendships were connected to sports, and there was an, some of those were immediately gone. He could barely sit in a chair without shooting pain. He had to carry a, this donut pillow through the halls of school and just sit on it, because even when he'd sit on that, he'd just be in so much pain. It, it was tough for him to ride in a car, because if he hit a bump, just the, the vibration of the car hitting a bump would just shoot pain up his spine. And so many times during that period, he would leave the church. I mean, he would, he would leave, the like I would be preaching, and I'd, I'd see him slide out and go through that door into a green room back there, and he'd lay down on, on my couch and just be in tears because he was in so much pain. And I just, for, for the first few years of this, it just took a toll on him in every area of his life. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful for some of the friends that he had in his life. I, I'm seeing my man Evan Cave right there. Evan? You were Zach's best buddy during that whole time, and I thank you for that. But during that same time, my oldest son, Taylor, discovered he had a broken bone in his lower back during his senior year of high school. That that break turned into a slip disc in his lower back in his junior year of college. And he ended up missing several weeks of of that college baseball season only to come back. And then the the second to the last series of the year, he had a collision. He was playing third base, had a collision with the catcher, broke another bone in his lower back. And so it was three years of praying for Zachary before his back was healed and his pain was completely gone. If you were to take an x-ray of Taylor's back right now, you would probably still find two breaks in two different locations and a slipped disc. And it's hard to watch. I mean, it's been hard. We, I haven't talked about this, but it's been hard to watch my, 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 my boys, my sons deal with this kind of pain. But I've watched, here's what I've watched. I've watched God carry them and grow them as a result of it. And he didn't change their situation immediately. Amy, we, Amy and I have been crying out and he didn't change the situation, but, but he used their pain to draw them closer to him and to deepen their faith. He used it to mold them into great young men of faith. But there have, been, there have been moments in our humanity, in all honesty, as Amy and I are crying out for God to heal, that we just, God, give us some understanding here because we can't see what you're doing. And for the longest time, we didn't get answers, but we decided to trust God because we know he's faithful. We've watched, he has a track record of faithfulness in our lives. He has a track record of keeping his promises, and we know he's a good, good, good father, right? And I listen, I've watched... Great Christian people with a lot of faith struggle their whole lives with physical pain, emotional pain, and never receive the wholeness and healing that they prayed for here on this earth. And God did not choose to hold back because of a lack of faith. And sometimes we hear that. The reason God's not healing is because you because you have a lack of faith. Nuh-uh. Sometimes in, in his sovereignty, God chooses to give them healing and wholeness that they were praying for as they enter into heaven. We may have all, in the, all the faith in the world, but God may not change things immediately because he may be up to something else. He may be growing us in a way that only he knows he can. But here's another truth we need to embrace. Don't ever estimate the power of your faith. Don't ever estimate underestimate the power of your faith. Here's how the writer of Hebrews puts it. In Hebrews 11:6 he says, "And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come with to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him." There's something powerful that happens when we take our faith and we put it together with God's promises. When those two things come together, powerful things can happen. When we, when we believe by faith that God can take anything that is broken and make it whole once again, we are lining ourselves up to watch God do the miraculous. It took a lot of faith for Bartimaeus to cry out to Jesus. He didn't know how Jesus was gonna to respond to him. He, he, he had to overcome the fear of knowing that people were gonna rebuke him. But he moved past his fears. And by faith, he, he believed that Jesus could heal him and Jesus could save him. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus told Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, it's it's your faith that has made you well. Now, I feel like I need to, to say this fourth thing to you. And some of you have experienced this. And some of you experience it and you don't even know what's going on. But it's important to hear this. There are moments where you are in the midst of your darkest moments, in the midst of your darkest pain, that Satan will try to pile on. Satan will take advantage of a situation and try to pile on. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. When the Bible says that Satan wants to destroy you, you need to believe that you have a powerful, ruthless enemy who hates everything about you and wants to create absolute havoc and chaos over your life, over your health, over your emotions, over your marriage, over your children, your dreams, and your future. Some of you, uh, I've talked about this a lot. You may or may not know that that my dad died very tragically in a whitewater rafting accident back in June, 2004. And the day after that happened, I was home and and I was sitting on the front porch of my house in in Hiram when we we lived at the time. And I had a, had a Bible that my my dad had given me when I was in college. And I did something that I, that I tell people not to do. And I would tell you not to do this today, but in the midst of my grief, I did it. People do things in midst of grief that sometimes we just need to give them a little bit of grace over, by the way. I took my Bible and I said, God, I, I don't know what you're doing. This makes no sense to me. I don't understand anything that you're doing. I need answers right now. And I just said, I'm pointing to a verse. Speak to me. And here's the verse that I pointed to. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, 32, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. He's telling Peter that Peter's going to deny him three times. And Peter's saying, no way. And Jesus says this to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, honestly, I'm sitting there looking at this verse going, really? Seriously? This is what I need, this is what I'm getting right now. Satan's gonna come along now and sift me like wheat. And I just put that, I just put it aside. That's odd. And I didn't think much about it until a few months later. You know, in the midst of trying to build this building that we were involved in at the time, trying to get some big ministry endeavors off the ground in the midst of tremendous grief, Satan hit me and my family every which way but loose. For about a year and a half. And time and time again, I go back to that verse, reminding myself. Satan's piling on he wants to destroy me he wants to sift me like wheat but Jesus has a bigger plan here he knew that if I didn't bail on him that if if I didn't walk away from my calling he would use this tragedy in my life when it was all said and done to strengthen others listen some of you are in the midst of emotional pain right now you're in emotional battle and Satan's piling on don't give in don't lose hope some of you experiencing physical pain in your life right now, and you don't have answers. And I mean, it, it's, maybe the reports aren't good. Don't lose hope. Don't give up faith. Trust, trust the Lord at this moment. Some of you are struggling spiritually today. Don't let Satan stick his foot in your life and get a, what the Bible calls a foothold. You need to know Satan wants to take you out. He wants to pile on. But you remember this. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we, he wants us, the, the abundant life, the life that's, that's of wholeness, that's full is still available to you. And he's using all of this to strengthen you right now. What Satan meant for evil, God is meaning for good. And then the fifth thing is this, sometimes you have to make a choice in the midst of all you're going through to courageously move forward. There are, there are a lot of reasons we get trapped in our pain. But I think one of the reasons, the biggest reasons is just simply fear. Fear can paralyze you. Some of you are there right now. You feel paralyzed by fear. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is a powerful verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead of love, of power, and of love and a sound mind. That means that God's desire for you today is for you to experience power, to experience his love, and to experience a sound mind. That's truth right there. There there comes a moment in the midst of when we're really struggling that we just have to make a choice. Lord, as you're reaching out to me, I'm going to reach back to you and let you pull me out of this. Pull me out of this muck. Pull me out of this bondage. Pull me out away from the stronghold. And you have to move forward in faith. I I was, as I was writing, as I was praying last night about what I was going to say to you today, I just started thinking about 20 years. Been reminiscing a lot the last several months about 20 years, our 20 year, year anniversary. And man, we've just experienced some amazing things being here for 20 years. But we've also had some tough, tough moments, Tough moments, tough, tough losses, tough ministry things that happened along the way, and we 've had to choose to just trust God and move forward. But, I, but as I thought about that, one of the things I realized is that we never did it alone. There are moments where it seemed like the bottom drop out, and a friend would reach out to us, a family member would carry us through. When my dad died, our small group just literally carried us through when zach 's gone through this situation. It, uh, another group of people in our lives, another small group, just kind of prayed for us and wrapped their arms around us and loved us through the situation. Amy and I have had to to go to counseling. I mean, I never in my wildest dreams when I got into ministry thought I'd have counseling. Pastors don't go to counseling, by the way. Pastors I grew up with. Now, most pastors need counseling. (laughs) I I need it. But I look at that and I go, man, my family and friends are small group counselors. Listen, if you... If you're trapped right now in something emotional, something that just has you in bondage, a stronghold, there's nothing wrong with sitting down with somebody who's wiser, who, who has maybe been where you've been, somebody who is trained to help you. Pour your heart out to them and let them, let them help you take next steps to move courageously forward. And then finally, here's the last thing. Jesus loves you and cares deeply about what you're going through. Now, I know for some of you, that's very simple. It, sound, it may sound very trite, but there are a lot of people in this room who are struggling to believe what I just read, what I just said. Jesus loves you and cares deeply about you. But here, this is the powerful truth. Jesus does love you. He cares deeply about what you're going through. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, Brian, if Jesus loves me and cares about me, then why am I experiencing this kind of pain? Why am I experiencing this kind of loss? Why am I struggling with these emotions? Why can't I seem to experience this wholeness you're talking about? Where is he right now? Because I don't feel him anywhere in my life. The very first thing that I remember learning about Jesus is that he loved me. It's the very first song that I, that I ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves me. This I know. Is the first song. It was my first theology lesson. But you know what I've learned? Pain and suffering will mess with your theology. Grief will mess with your theology. Having people turn their back on you sometimes will mess with your theology. My dad's death messed with my theology. And when things mess with your theology a little bit, here's what you have to do: you have to go back to what you know is true. You have to embrace what you know to be true. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus says this about himself. He said, listen, he said, the the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. When Jesus spoke to Bartimaeus, he just asked him a very simple question. Bartimaeus, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? "And Bartimaeus answered, "Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus, I want to be made whole." And God answered his prayer. And Jesus reached out and healed him. Here's my question to you this morning. What do you want? Because Jesus is here this morning. He's not walking through this building in the flesh. But his spirit through the Holy Spirit, his presence is very powerful here today. He's here. And he asks you this question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Cry out to him. Be honest with him. Don't hold back. Pour out your pain. Pour out your suffering. Pour out your grief. Pour out your challenges. If your future seems hopeless, be honest, just give it to him and let him pull you out of it. He may, he will always hear those things. He may not change things immediately, but he loves your faith and he knows what your enemy's trying to do. He's willing to pull you out because he loves you and cares about you deeply. So cry out to him today. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. If you're here today and you have never cried out to Jesus for salvation, Jesus gave his life so that things could be made right between you and God. And this morning, he asks you to put your faith and trust in him, to transfer your trust from you and what you believe in, that's gonna get you to heaven and make it, get you through life. Transfer all of that trust and faith and put it on Jesus Christ alone and say, no, it's not me, it's not my way, it's gonna be Jesus and what he's already done for me on the cross. If that's where you are, would you pray with me at this moment? Just say, Lord, at this very moment, I put all of my faith and trust in Jesus. I cry out to you, and I trust the words that those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I ask you to forgive me my sins. What you did for me on the cross was enough. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior at this very moment. I need you, Jesus, as honestly as I know how. I accept your gift of salvation, your rescue.